What is up, everybody? Welcome to the early read presented by Betside. I'm your host, Reed Wallach. With me today is Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet, co-host with Nick Costos, at Lockie Lockerson on Twitter. And let me just give a little premise of the show before we bring in Ken. Uh, What we're going to do here is every Tuesday, 1 o'clock Eastern on BetSided's YouTube and Twitter pages, we're going to get you set for the college football week. We know everyone is going to be crunching the numbers Saturday morning. No, just watch the early read. We're going to get you in early, get some closing line value on those bets, hand out some winners along the way. Well, week zero is a little bit different, though. There's only seven lined games right now. So I thought, let's take a macro approach. Let's go big picture. Let's look at futures. So I thought no one better than Ken Barkley, like I said, from You Better You Bet to come in. Ken, one of the sharpest guys in the industry. Ken, appreciate you coming on. First episode, taking a leap of faith with me. Uh, Real ones will remember, you know, used to come on the show and give us some five-star plays. So now you're returning the favor a little bit. Yeah, happy happy to return the favor. And uh, yeah, I... I we owe you more, even more than this, honestly, for being on the show. We would, we would, people who don't know, we would call Reed at like 6.02 p.m. Eastern time. We would keep him on hold usually for too long. Then we would bring him on and we would ask him for, you know, picks for that night or whatever. But we would also occasionally just like drag him around to all these other different <laughs> topics that he probably didn't want to answer. Um, so if this is like the small repayment of uh, of that favor, basically, then, uh, then so be it. And worth noting, I don't know if people know this about you, big Brooklyn Nets fan. This is, this is a big day. This is a big, big day, day for you. We got new the, show. Uh, what was the wording? Start. What's the wording? Like we we're moving forward with the relationship. What was it? Something yeah. like that? Good. I'm moving forward with my sanity also. Yeah. Yes, He's moving great. forward with partnership. But yeah, big day, new show, superstar rescinds trade request. So we're all good to go here. But Ken, you like I said, you've been kind of around the college football space forever, now in the sports betting space. One of the sharpest guys I know. I really respect your opinion. College football is one of like your first forays into like higher level sports betting, if I remember correctly, from your time at ESPN. Yeah, it's it's always been, it was never like my favorite sport, but the more mm-hmm. that I got into betting, you know, I didn't even used to watch it that much growing up. I grew up in the Northeast, so I didn't really have a, a favorite team. I went to college at Richmond. They play an FCS level and they make the playoffs sometimes, but football is not a significant part of the culture of the school. And so it was always kind of something off the radar for me. The more that I started getting into betting and almost less into sports, is mm-hmm. when college football became a lot more interesting to me. I just think, you know, in most sports, NFL, NBA, whatever, like the the top teams and the superstars drive the conversation, the contenders. So NFL, Brady drives the conversation. Patrick Mahomes drives the conversation. And even in betting, like it, those are the fun things to talk about betting-wise. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Um, which teams are going to emerge this year? In college football, I actually feel like it's the exact opposite. I feel like the top is very boring. I feel like mm-hmm. we know who's going to win. We know who the really good teams are. There are no surprises. But the middle, the mediocre is so Damn. fascinating. <laughs> the middle of college football is the most fun thing to handicap. I think in all of sports, basically, it's incredibly random. It's very unpredictable. And if you play it that way, uh, sometimes there can be valuable bets or you try to find valuable bets just with the idea that this is a parody filled middle of the sport. And let's, you know, if we approach it that way, like what can we find betting wise? Yeah, totally. And we're going to have some week zero and week one bets. But again, we're looking really future based here. And based on what you just said, Ken, what is like one overarching theme you could give some of our viewers on when you're betting these win totals? What can you really look for? And if you have any questions, though, make sure to uh, throw them in the chat. We'll try and you know work them in as we go. But again, one like overview observation you have when betting win totals. Yeah, it, there's. it's funny because you asked me for this ahead of time. And I feel like I could have given you 
like 70 different ones, you know, could have given you a minute on a lot of different things. It's a, it's a pretty complex issue. I can, you know, can't just boil down to like, always do this. Like that's not all, you know, can't usually solve problems that way. Uh, one thing that I see people do a lot and it, it's not a waste of time because it's, it's fun to do it, but I would just in, encourage people to like, not overanalyze the schedule. That would be the, the term that I would use. And what I mean by that is people get so in the weeds on, you know, like they've got their, their copy of Phil Steele open, or they've got, a, you know, the, mm -hmm. the website open with the schedule on it. And they're like, oh man, they, they go to this team. Then they go to this team, like back-to-back -back <laughs> weeks or, you know, like, oh, well, they have a week off before that game or, you know, like just some kind of like narrative. And it's almost like they're, sort of like a Madden sim. They're like playing out yeah. the season in their head and they get really, really, really wrapped up in, honestly, boring minutia that probably doesn't have an impact on how many games the team is going to win that year. Or if it does, it's a very, very, very small impact or it's unproven, like the back-to-back -back road games thing I brought up. Like, yeah. all right, if you think that's a big deal, prove it. Like, show me that it's a big, don't just say, well, they got to go back-to-back -back on the road. Like, has that worked before? Does it usually, do teams usually play poorly? If you don't know, then why are you upset about it this year? Why does that make you want to bet under on a team this year? So like that, that kind of week-to-week -week really specific analysis, um, it's, you know, the paralysis by analysis is a term I, I think I've never used before, but I would actually <laughs> use it in this situation. Um, be more general than that. Just how many toss-up games does the team have? Um, how many sure wins and sure losses, you know, greater than 90, 95% win probability, create those three buckets and then work from there. And just like, it's a really simplistic way of analyzing a team, but you're going to solve just as much doing that as you will from, you know, saying, well, they're at Akron, then they fly all the way to California <laughs> to do that. Just, you know, I would avoid doing the that. I don't advantage. think that tends to lead to, to valuable bets. Yeah. Yeah. So let's apply it right now. We got five future bets from each of us. Uh, I've seen them happy that most of them are on the same I'm on the same side as them. We'll see if you're on the same side as me. Right. Um, we'll start on the ACC. Clemson, down year for them. They still won 10 games. They're the odds-on favorite to win the ACC. Looking at the other uh, side, the Coastal, Miami's plus 500. Pitt, 10-1, to 1, the defending champ. Virginia, though, way down there. They got Clemson's offensive coordinator coming in and Tony Elliott. Brennan Armstrong's back. That's kind of it. Everyone else has left. Ken, I know you have a play here on their win total. Seven and a half. You going over or under? Uh, I am. I have bet under on seven and a half with Virginia. Now it, it started to get bet like a good amount and you're starting mm -hmm. to see some sevens ish kind of appear there. You got to pay a little bit for the seven and a half. Um, I think my stopping points like minus 150 or minus 155 on under seven and a half. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you're kind of still seeing that. I guess it's a consensus number. The, the opinion here is really straightforward. Um, the schedule is littered with toss up games, which yeah. normally would be good for a team like Virginia, except that they sort of have a lot of under the radar negative things going on. You would look at the quarterback and be like, Brennan Armstrong, this is this is a team that can go over this year. Or, you know, I don't like the other teams in the ACC. I was a pretty big fan of Bronco Mendenhall as a head coach of a team. Like, I actually thought, like, he was someone who added value where he ended up coaching. And to go from someone who adds value at a place that does not recruit very well whatsoever to someone who may add value, Tony Elliott, but we don't have any idea whether that's true. And again, he's replacing someone who we kind of knew added value. That's a problem in all of those toss-up games. Like that's a way some of those toss-up mm -hmm. games swing from wins to losses is a pretty severe drop in coach, honestly. And then one thing that Virginia had going for them as well, and I'll give a hat tip to Bud Elliott from the Cover 3 podcast at CBS. He and I talk a lot about college football. He put me onto this. 
Virginia's offensive line combined with Armstrong drove a lot of their production last year. Uh, Really, really good in line yards, really good in time to throw in the pocket. They were, you know, excellent. This was basically the strength of their team. And the offensive line is completely gone. And when I say completely gone, I mean like completely gone. And they attempted to bring in transfers to try to fill those spots. And the transfers, some of them actually transferred back to their original (laughs) schools. So there's just like, there are some recruits, like it's not, there aren't zero offensive linemen on the team. But when that's a huge strength, you swap a coach for maybe a negative added quantity and you lose the thing that you were the best at. And basically your, your win totals being calculated. Like you have all these toss up games. I could just see them on the wrong end of a lot of toss up games. So I make them about 7.1, 7.2, I think under seven and a half. It's not like my favorite bet, but in the ACC, I didn't have as many win totals that I loved. Um, so that's what I ended up going with. Yeah. Uh, really quick for me. I, if you've watched daily bet slip, um, I went through this one, Georgia tech under three and a half. This is probably my favorite one. It was plus money earlier in the summer. It's still like in the minus 120 range, which I still think is playable. The hardest schedule in the country to my eyes. Their non-conference is Clemson on a neutral, Ole Miss at home, at UCF, and at Georgia. They're going to be favored in two games uh, to my eyes, Western Carolina, sure, and then Duke at home. But again, Duke's going to be bad. Georgia Tech's going to be bad. I don't know. Year three of Jeff Collins seems like he's a lame ducks. They um, they lost Gibbs, their running back, uh, to Alabama. So there's really nothing here gutted uh by transfers everywhere i just think that like there's a better chance in my opinion that collins is fired after the duke game when they lose than georgia tech gets the four wins i think that this is just one of those years where they bottom out and they have to you know start over again i mean trying to move from the triple option seems like kind of the end of this era in georgia tech football i mean the schedule is just impossible yeah it's funny i i wonder how many years it takes to to do that like how many years does it take to go from triple option to, to that's normal? what i'm saying it hasn't, I, it hasn't clicked yet and it's just it's funny like you, we're going back to the what well, you're going back to the well again on it's like well it's just it's still not going to work it's actually just still <laughs> not going to be a thing i don't know it's they've always been they've been the weirdest team since paul johnson left and you're just like i don't i don't know what to do with them what do i what do i make them uh yeah like literally like three 3.49 so i'm yeah, i agree I'm that they will nine. be terrible I agree that they will be terrible, but you you actually need them to be specifically terrible. Like you need them to yeah. be especially terrible. So I, good luck to you on that one. You could be right. I, I would never tell you you're wrong about Georgia Tech being bad. They've been very bad. <laughs> okay, so let's move to the Big Ten because Ohio State, they're not going to be bad. They're the overwhelming favorite to win the Big Ten. Second choice to win the national championship at Consensus Sportsbook. But to me, it's the Big Ten West that looks a little bit more intriguing from a competition standpoint because – Big Ten East is all Ohio State, then Michigan. Big Ten West has five teams with a win total above seven. You got Wisconsin, who's the favorite, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, and Minnesota. We see eye to eye on who we think is maybe the dark horse. I went to Wisconsin, so I'm pulling for the Badgers, but I'm not sure where it's going to be this year. Ken, what do you make of Minnesota this year uh, under P.J. Flack? But I think there's a lot of, you mentioned that division. It's always a division where you feel like there's a lot of opportunity to hit big prices because there's no looming juggernaut team at the top of the division. And in most divisions in college football, it's like you got Alabama, you got Georgia, you got Clemson in the ACC. It's just like, you might have USC emerging in the Pac-12. We'll see how that goes. So it just, this is the one division where you go, okay, Wisconsin's typically very good. Mm-hmm. But if you really like a team, you could take a shot to beat Wisconsin. And some of the time you're going to be right. I mean, Northwestern won this division a couple of years ago. So there is generally opportunity, even if it's a okay version of Wisconsin. I think this will be like an okay version of Wisconsin. Not particularly good, not particularly bad. And Minnesota's schedule is the thing that's so attractive. And with this division, yeah. the one thing to look at, 
obviously there's cross matching with the other division and the other division has the heavyweights. So when you find the teams that don't have the heavyweights scheduled, then they should get a pretty big bump. And Minnesota is, but I think they should be rated a little bit higher. So I basically have them likely wins, likely losses, uh, 4-0 and with eight toss-up games. Wisconsin's like the teetering on the brink of being a, a sort of an expected loss. Yeah. But you kind of see the the benefits of playing a schedule where you don't have a lot of really good teams on it, basically. So I've made some long shot bets on them. I like them over the seven and a half wins. But I would also say this team and a couple others in the division profile really well to win 10 or more regular season games, which is a, a market that started to become open in a lot of places that people really like. And their price to win 10 or more games is plus 650. So just, again, think about that. Like, no real likely loss on the schedule. Games where there'll be a dog, but really only two, and it won't be a, an Ohio State-level underdog. They don't play Ohio State this mm -hmm. season. Just, you know, the opportunity to really win every game that they play. There aren't a lot of teams... Most teams play Alabama. Most teams play Georgia. Most teams play Clemson. Not a lot of teams have that kind of a schedule where every game really could be a win, potentially, especially if Wisconsin's more down than I think. Um, returning quarterback, P.J. Fleck, goes over his number a lot. Yeah. Just kind of all makes sense, basically. So over seven and a half. And then I actually do like them for some kind of more long shot stuff. Yeah, I think the like tails of their season, especially towards the over, are in play, like you mentioned with the schedule, but also – they go from Mike Sanford, who's one of the worst offensive coordinators in football. Last year, I mean, injuries also play into a role, but they ran the ball at, like, service academy levels. Now they're back to Kirk Soroka, who flamed out of Penn State, but he's back, and they won 11 games with him as the offensive coordinator with Tanner Morgan as the quarterback. So can they maybe catch lightning in a bottle again and maybe go, you know, way over their win total like you think? I'm on this Minnesota over. That was what I had written down, then you said it, so I – kind of changed my pick but I agree with you 100% on Minnesota if there's one team I think that could challenge Wisconsin it's definitely the Gophers by avoiding Michigan and um, Ohio State on the schedule speaking of Michigan though I'm over their nine and a half wins I know it there's not as much wiggle room but the schedule is just ripe there I know you said don't overanalyze the schedule but still looking at this they bring back a ton of production on offense they need to replace Hutchinson on defense but I mean, you look at the schedule, you're at Iowa, you're home. Sorry for noise in the background if that's picking up. But at Iowa, you're home for Penn State and Michigan State and home for Nebraska before the Ohio State game. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility you have two undefeated teams playing in the game Thanksgiving weekend between Ohio State and Michigan. You could even lose one of those toss-ups. You're still going over 10. I just see one like definite loss to Ohio State and then you know a few toss-ups. I just like this Michigan team. I think 10 wins is like – very likely outcome. I think, you know, well over, you know, 60% in my opinion. So Michigan over nine and a half is my uh, best bet as we bring up the recap. Ken's over seven and a half on Minnesota. I'm over nine and a half on Michigan. Ken, any thoughts there on the Wolverines? You kind of looked a little surprised. I, oh, no, no, no. I definitely wasn't surprised. I, I mean, there were some bets you could have given out where I, I might have even like eye rolled you or something. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just trying to, yeah, I want to just make sure where I'm at on Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like on the number basically. Yeah. So it's another bet basically in, in each of the two conferences we've done so far. I definitely do not disagree with you. Like, I don't think you've made a bad bet or, you know, like I'm on the opposite side and I love the opposite side. Uh, I think I just had more Michigan as like properly rated. Like they're being rated. Mm -hmm. Like they're really awesome. Nine and a half is a really big number in the big 10, especially in that division. And I agree. I think they are really awesome. I think they do yeah. have an outside chance to make the playoff. Maybe not as good as last year, but um Kind of with you there, just uh, probably not going to be a bet for me. Mm. Another team that was in the college football playoff discussion, Oklahoma State from the Big 12. Win total eight and a half, still lofty expectations. The Big 12 as a whole, kind of, in my opinion, as I give out my best bet after you, but 
I think there's a lot of variance in play here with Oklahoma going under some changes. Texas still kind of an unproven commodity. Oklahoma State and Baylor were in the title game last year. Can they keep it up? TCU and Kansas State, two teams that I think have very high ceilings. Uh, but Ken, I know you're looking at Oklahoma State. Are they repeating their success from last season, or was that a, kind of a you know lightning in a bottle there? Well, I think they could. I mean, you know, it's Mike Gundy. They have a returning yeah, quarterback, could. and Spencer Sanders. Like they they could repeat their success from last year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, just what is their average result this year? Uh, this is like an eight and a half that needs to be a seven and a half or eight between those two mm-hmm. numbers, basically for me. So um, I did play under on this uh, and the the prices that I would play are still actually available. The big 12, it's, you actually made a really good observation there. One thing that can be really uh, profitable in college football win totals is, you know, if you exclude your huge recruiters, your Alabamas and your Georgias, and then you play every other power conference team, basically, back to the middle. So like if a team has a great year and they get bumped up a little bit, but they're not Alabama, they're not that level, you play them back down towards six or seven yeah. wins. If a team has a particularly bad year, I, you know, we did the big 10, but you know, Northwestern, I, I like they're over this year. I don't know how you can't like they're over this year. Like they had a, a tip, you know, an atypical atrocious season, play them back to the middle. Like those teams that aren't the monster recruiters are typically closer than we think. And the big 12 is the ultimate example yeah. of teams like that. Like Oklahoma has been able to stay out of the fray for a long time. Didn't happen last year, but for the most part, yeah. they've been able to stay out of it. And all of the other teams just cannibalize each other so badly in that division. And Kansas isn't the worst anymore. Like they're yeah. still really bad, but they're not even the auto win anymore. Yeah. So there are no automatic wins on the schedule. The differences in recruiting between a ton of the programs is small. Texas always underachieves. So it kind of brings everybody back towards six and seven wins. You get eight and a half with Oklahoma state. I make them about, I think it's like 7.8, something like that. Uh, I do think that's very valuable. Yeah, I'm with you on this Oklahoma State under. Already bet it. I'm going over, though, on a team. Like I mentioned, I'm bullish on TCU and Kansas State. I don't think it'd be a surprise if either of these teams are in the conference championship game. I think TCU over six and a half, and they get Oklahoma at home. They get Oklahoma State at home. They get Kansas State at home. I know the Big 12 kind of cannibalizes itself, but new coach Sonny Dykes, I love the defensive coordinator hire and Joe Gillespie from Tulsa, who kind of overachieved a ton with his 3-3-5. I think TCU has a very, very high ceiling there. I know this number has been getting like beat down so bad, but like still 12 to one, the big 12, there's no division. It's just the top two teams. I think the schedule breaks the way for TCU this year to maybe kind of leak the Baylor who I'm under on the Oklahoma state who I'm under on the Texas, who I don't really know about the Oklahoma, Oklahoma who might be vulnerable. So TCU over six and a half under a first year coach, Sonny Dykes top 10 in returning production, constantly top 20 in talent score. I just I think this Horn Frogs team has a high ceiling, so I'll go over on Big Twelve champion um, on TCU to win the Big Twelve championship, but also they're over six and a half feels safe to me as well. As we keep it moving, we're gonna go Pac twelve here. Um, USC, you know, they made the big splashy moves and everything. They hire Lincoln Riley, they get Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, a bunch of transfers. They're basically like a super team almost, like it's NBA style. I don't know if it's gonna work so fast. Uh, we'll see. Utah. They still have Cam Rising. They won the championship last year. They're still, in my opinion, the favorite. Washington, Oregon are going through coaching changes. Ken, are you buying this USC hype or not? Because I'm not. I'm off USC. I'm The win total is way too high, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a it's a definition of degree, right? Like, I can, I can buy the hype that Lincoln Riley is a really good coach, and I can buy the hype that Jordan Addison was a – ultra productive wide receiver, one of the best (laughs) receivers in the country. And I can buy the hype that Caleb Williams has a ton of potential as a quarterback. Still hasn't started that many games, but had some success in Oklahoma, kind of like emerged as a dark horse second half of the year Heisman guy. So all of that can be true. 
But like this was a team that was absolutely brutal last year and doesn't bring a lot back. So I think it's more of a, it's not a question of do you upgrade USC? Like some of the hype is warranted. They will be better, but better doesn't have to mean that they win 10 games in the first (laughs) season. I think that's where people get tripped up a little bit. Like you can make a significant upgrade to their rating and play out the season and you will get a lot of seven and fives and a lot of eight and fours. And that's like a good thing. Like that's not, that's improvement over last Mm -hmm. year. Their rating could go up a lot and they could win not even close to this many games. So it's not that they won't be better. It's just a really tough team to solve in terms of how much better they're going to be. It's really tough to win 10 games in a power conference schedule. It's also really tough when you don't like USC does, when you don't play a cupcake non-conference, they play rice in week one and that's, obviously going to be a very likely win for them but you know while a lot of teams while while alabama and the sec guys they schedule fcs opponent and they schedule you know a walkover you know in addition to that from the mac or whatever it is usc doesn't schedule that way because of kind of how their rivalries work they obviously have notre dame on the schedule they play fresno as well which is like a very tricky weird fresno, game fresno um, auto bet when the line comes out auto it's bet. I don't know if it's auto bet, but I, I we're thinking the same way, right? Which yeah. is, this is not a walkover. This is not like mm-hmm. an obvious, you know, and that's early season. That's week three for them when maybe things haven't totally come together yet. I would really question whether they're going to kind of take a huge step forward defensively this year too, which was a problem last year. To me, they're like a good team. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to like crap on USC. Like they will show meaningful improvement this year and they will win like eight games. And that's, yeah. but that's way under the expectation. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think the schedule is there. It's not easy, but it's there for them to win a lot of games. I just think the defense still has a lot of questions, and I think they could get they could get beat on any night against a good offense like a, a Fresno State, who I think is somewhat live in that game, definitely to cover. Um, for me, I just think there's a lot of questions at the top. Like I mentioned, USC, we're not buying the hype. Washington and Oregon have two uh, new coaches coming in. Maybe it doesn't gel so fast. What about Washington State 40-1 to to win the Pac-12? It's a long shot. I understand that. I, it's a it's a long shot. Okay. Over offensive line has issues, but they bring in Cameron Ward, Ward from Incarnate Word. They bring in the head coach from that school as well. He was a Walter Payton, which is like the Heisman of the FCS. Uh, he was a contender for that last year. What if it's the Bailey Zappi routine and they just go nuts? Like I, again, we're talking tails on this team. The expected outcomes. Like I just think there is some value in taking like the you know throwing pizza money on like the t- high end tail. They host Utah, Washington, and Oregon this year. They go to USC, who we said could maybe get beat on the right night. What if it all just clicks? There's no more okay. divisions anymore in the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> it is strict, it is strictly um, you know winning percentage. So maybe as a long shot, if things go sideways at the top, Washington State catches lightning in a bottle. They rise to the top. I'm also on their over five and a half. Bowl eligibility, I think, is within reach with this team um, at plus money. That's pretty much everywhere. So Washington State, I thought I'd hype up the – Pac-12 championship bet, but um, I also like their over win total. Ken is on <laughs> the under on USC. I won't even take any questions on that. No, I, I can I? So I, here's here's the thing. We we can move on in a second, but I I just I I don't like Washington State this year. That's fine, but like we can we can disagree. But I think where you're correct, where you're thinking the right way, and at least in my opinion, is to take a shot in that division yeah. for something interesting to happen. So I think you've you've like identified a potential opportunity, right? The changeover at Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. Like what what is this going to be? Cal's probably no good again. Stanford might be a little bit better. Maybe that's maybe that's the bet is just like the mm-hmm. David Shaw Stanford revival tour this year basically. I 
I like Oregon State a lot. Now they don't have the okay. upside at quarterback, but like between those two, if I had to pick Oregon State or Washington State to win the division or to win the conference as like a crazy dark horse, I project Oregon State to be much better. So that would kind of be where I would go with. But I think you're the good news is whoever you people end up landing on, I do think that division presents a little and even it the has like maybe. chaos. Yeah. Some chaos element. Well, I mean it's the Pac 12. It always kind of yeah, has some exactly. chaos. But the, specifically this year. We don't really know what Oregon's going to be. We definitely don't know what Washington's going to be. Yeah. What if Stanford just stinks again? Who's winning that division? I mean, this is a division that's produced it's pretty wacky winners historically. Yeah. And, uh, and it could happen again. Yeah. And I like the transfer there. And now our final conference, you know, our final win total here, SEC. We're going to do week zero and week one bets after this. But SEC, obviously, we have Alabama and Georgia at the top. We're both targeting two middle of the pack teams from the same state, actually. Both going over their win total. So, Ken, why don't you go first with Mississippi State? Uh, and they play each other the last game of the season for two hours. Oh, we, yeah. could, we could we well, could be mono mono for for the <laughs> who gets the over if we end up in the right situation at the end of the year, which is totally possible. Um, the way that this conference goes sometimes. Yeah, this is was pretty straightforward. I, I like the over on Mississippi State. Very widely available six and a half, about minus mm-hmm. one twenty, minus one twenty five on the juice. So this is not one even. Obviously, you should shop around on everything, but this isn't one that you have to shop around on a lot, which is makes it kind of rare in that way. Most totals are are way different no matter where you look. It's pretty straightforward. I actually just think this is a six and a half that needs to be a seven um if you look at kind of likely wins likely losses and toss-up games you really come out to seven and five a lot of the time it's the most likely record i actually think eight is more likely than six when i project it forward you also have a couple under the radar things here mike leach year three so really like this should kind of be like a meaningful step forward returning quarterback and again like making the transition from any team to mike leach recruiting what you're looking for is going to be a little different mississippi state doesn't recruit five stars all the time so it might take a couple of years to get a lot mm-hmm. of his guys into the program and i think when you have a returning quarterback too with his programs that tends to help a lot with how he likes to run his offense so i do think there's some kind of narrative things here where they could outperform expectation but the good news is you don't need any of that to bet the over like that's just kind of what i think even yeah. just simulating the schedule i think you get to seven the most often uh, of any win number so i do like the over there yeah, I agree, especially with that leap. Like you said, Will Rogers, year three. I think that, you know, also they lost a few like really crazy games last year that kind of held them down. Like that Memphis game was a little wild. So I don't hate that play at over six and a half. I'm looking at the other team from Mississippi, though. Ole Miss, over seven and a half. And it's a little pricey, but there is a very real possibility. This team is seven and oh through seven games. And the schedule, Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky's tough. I'm not that high on Kentucky. At Vandy, should be a win. Auburn at home, who knows if they even have a coach by then. So 7-0, the back half of the schedule is the really brutal part. You know, it's like a root canal getting this over home. But is there a chance that A&M or LSU kind of fall below expectation and that game is there? Arkansas might take a step back. I just think I have seven very likely wins. And I need like one game. And I think that there's an opportunity for them to win. So they're not Two transfer running backs, Jackson Dart, likely the quarterback. I understand all that wide receiver has a lot of as well, like Robinson from US UCF. But the way the schedule set up, I'd rather the transfers play and get to know each other in the easy schedule where they can maybe start six and one or seven and oh. So then maybe it all gels by the end of it. You know, it's almost like the opposite of USC where they kind of have some tricky games early. That's where they could get beat. Whereas Ole Miss, they have a lot of build up to get good and make that um you know, leap where maybe you could pull an upset. They also, it's worth noting, I think they have the best scheduling spot against Alabama at home off of by LSU, plays at Alabama. Um, Alabama plays at LSU, sorry. So I like Ole Miss over seven and a half. 
No, it, it makes sense. It, it's funny. We brought up USC. We brought up Ole Miss already. You know, these are sort of two of the test cases early on for insane transfer portal additions and how much they matter basically like should you know when teams do this in the future how much should we upgrade their rating these will be two test cases for kind of what the right answer to that is i mean both transfer quarterbacks transfer skill position players of a very high caliber offensive-minded head coaches like there's the chance that it's awesome i think these two teams will at least provide us a little bit of a blueprint going forward for when teams do stuff like this um you know how much do we upgrade them do we upgrade them or is is the hype kind of unwarranted yeah, no, 100%. And there it is. Less than a half hour. We got through our win total bets. Ken, I know you're going to have to get out of here. So I want to get, though, to some week one and week zero bets. We teased this earlier in the show. I want to, you know, make sure we get some, you know, we got some future bets that are going to cash in like a really long time, but I want to make sure we get some, you know, week one, week zero action. I have a week zero bet that got absolutely pummeled this morning, obviously, before I guess they knew I was coming out on the show or something. But that was um, probably it. That was probably yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. They, they knew the syndicates knew I was coming yes, in with it. But, those syndicates, they'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, week zero, um, I have a few bets in one of them. It was Vandy. That was the one I was going to talk about against just a ravaged Hawaii team. That number is now a seven and a half. Obviously, don't like it as much as it was at six and a half and seven, but so be it. Uh, Hawaii. Second lowest returning production in the country, Vanderbilt, year two under Clark Lee. Maybe they take a step. I think they're going to have a serious athletic advantage in the trenches. So I like Vandy to win that one relatively easy. But I mentioned Hawaii, the second lowest returning production. Nevada has the lowest. And they're a nine-point road favorite against New Mexico State. This number's been trickling down all summer long. Um, I think New Mexico State's alive to win this game. They're not good by any means, but they have 80% returning production on the defensive line. They're home. We know nothing about Nevada. They have a first-time head coach. Like, I don't think we could find the floor on Nevada so fast that, like, New Mexico State, who at least, like, could maybe, like, hold the ball, play some keep away, and have a good defensive line against just a ravaged Nevada team. I think they're live for an upset, so I think it's worth a sprinkle, you know, over a touchdown and on the money line just for a school that we can't properly rate, in my opinion, even though I know New Mexico State's terrible. We don't – Nevada could also be just even worse. Yeah, I – I wish they were playing someone else in week one is probably the right way that I, yeah. I mean, they're playing the worst team in the country basically. So mm-hmm. it's like, they might, Nevada might stink. They might be, you might, you're, you're probably right. It's just <laughs> like, how much do they stink? Like, do they stink? Like when they play the worst team in the country at their place, <laughs> what should they be in the game? It's such a weird problem yeah. to try to solve. So I, I, I mean, I agree with you about the Wolfpack. Like I think a, a lot of people, um, have started kind of catching on to the fact that there's not a lot back. And it sounds like you've been on this for a little bit following the line movement on this game. So I, I kind of agree with you. I just, I don't, I don't want to bet New Mexico state. In the game. Like I don't no, have I, see, I like that. I want like, bring yes. on the pain. Bring okay. On the pain. No, bring on the pain. But, that sounds like some of the bets I've made this year. That sounds good. I, I, I wouldn't say yours is as painful. It's definitely an underdog bet, but week one. So we're skipping ahead just a little bit. Um, but re, uh, bringing back uh, New Mexico, or not New Mexico, West Virginia versus Pitt. Are you going with the favorite pit to keep their success going, or are you thinking West Virginia here? Uh, I bet West Virginia plus seven. So that's that's my bet. And for week zero, I don't have a lot I like right now. Illinois minus 10 would probably be like the only thing, like maybe, but I just yeah. I need to do a little bit more work on it. Uh, I, I do like West Virginia plus the full touchdown in this game. Pitt, uh, I mean, what a season last year. Obviously, Kenny Pickett and uh, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, that combination led to just like insane productivity and Braylon Addison, I guess, for what it's worth, too. Um, that led to just like a pretty crazy new height for this program. One of my usual philosophies is 
when a team like really outperforms expectation versus like a baseline, um, always kind of be looking for early season spots to fade them the next year. And then vice versa, if a team really underperforms, but we kind of know that they're not that bad, look for opportunities to play on them. And sometimes those teams even play each other. Um, then you kind of get like a, a crazy week one situation. We have a little bit of that here. Uh, West Virginia is being rated pretty horribly. Their win total is five and a half. I've bet the over. Uh, JT Daniels transfer quarterback. Obviously, we don't. I don't think we really know what that's going to be necessarily. Is it? Is it, is it crazy recruit JT Daniels, or is it like I don't know what the Georgia time was JT Daniels, yeah. but he was probably still really good. But maybe it's just what Georgia does to quarterback. I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of upside there, obviously. And with Pitt, it's more like with Pickett not there and with Mark Whipple not there and Narduzzi's comments from the summer about, we actually need to get back to running the ball more. He's kind of Awful. a crazy person who, <laughs> and typical Narduzzi, my usual handicapping technique for him is before, this is pre-Whipple, this is before last year. Uh, if he is a large favorite in a game against like a reasonably good opponent, then the dog is almost always live to cover. Mm. Maybe not win the game outright, but at least, you know, the way Narduzzi tends to coach conservative, emphasis more on run, He's also putting in a new quarterback in Keaton Slovis. Like, I think there's enough opportunity here for, I'm not saying West Virginia is live to win big time, but like, I think this could very easily be a close game in the fourth quarter more often than not. You get the full seven in that situation. I think it's pretty valuable. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. That's it. To me, it's West Virginia or pass. I'm on pits under win total. I think that this is a team like me prime for a, a step back, you know, like you just said with uh, Narduzzi's comments, like it just seems like a team that's primed to like almost like vomit on themselves after such success. Like, you know, stumble to seven and six just because like they can't stay out of their own way. So I'm with you here. It's either dog or pass me. I haven't bet it yet, but I do lean towards the West Virginia side, but there's our show, everybody. Bunch of power five win totals for you to get in. Also some week zero, week one bets, uh, New Mexico state, getting ready for it. Um, but yeah, next week, same time, Tuesday at 1 PM while you're here, just make sure you subscribe that, uh, below. And we're previewing Ohio state versus Notre Dame next week. That's gonna be our marquee matchup. And before I go, Ken, can't thank you enough for coming on. Seriously, you're seriously one of the sharpest in the business. Make sure you check him and Nick Costos out on You Better You Bet on BetQL every weekday, 3 to 7 p.m. They hit every single thing. And this is Ken's college football week. So he's even coming out during his special college football week to do his college football special on my show. So I really appreciate Big Ten today, right? Uh, it is the Big Ten today. We did the SEC yesterday, and uh, and I would just say, and good luck to you with this venture. This is it's fun to see you going from here's five minutes on the phone with us here on You Better You Bet, you know, on, you know, occasionally on weekdays to now you got your, I mean, you got your name and a play on words in the name of the show. Like that's uh, that's a big deal. That's a, so good for you, and uh, and best of luck with all this stuff. All right, Ken, thank you. Make sure you go get those bets, and we'll see you same time next week for Week One preview. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.